Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Don Minerly. We recorded this last week in his home in Portland, Oregon. Before we get started, I have a quick word from a sponsor for this episode. Love old-time music, dance, art, and craft? Immerse yourself in Appalachian culture at the beautiful John C. Campbell Folk School. Located in Western North Carolina, we offer week-long and weekend classes in old-time music, instrument building, woodworking, fiber arts, blacksmithing, cooking, gardening, pottery, and much, much more. Visit folkschool.org to see our full catalog of classes or 1-800-FOLK-SCH to register. Quick shout out to Get Up in the Cool's newest supporters on Patreon because while this podcast gets the occasional lovely sponsor like John C. Campbell Folk School, it's by and large listener funded, meaning funded by people like you. Yes, you specifically. You can sign up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool, which is linked in the show notes if you don't feel like typing them out. Sean Canning, Karen Dale, and Adam Jason Photography, thank you all so much for signing up to support the show. It means a lot. One more thing, I'm teaching beginner and intermediate online Clawhammer banjo courses this coming January. Early bird rate ends on Christmas Eve, so sign up now at camerondewitt.com store. I linked that in the show notes too. Let's play some banjo. All right, enough business. Here's my interview and jam with Don Minerly. Enjoy.
Don Minerly, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. So when I called you on the phone uh, to ask you to be on the show, you were like, so are you aware that I, that I play like Tommy Gerald style because I learned from him? And I was like, no, thank you for telling me. That's really helpful. And then I came in your front door a couple, uh, I don't know, about an hour ago. And there's this big uh, antique forte piano, um, which wasn't necessarily what, what I was expecting when I came in. I am very interested in which came first, <laughs> playing uh, antiquated classical music or uh, antiquated fiddle music. Right. So um, actually, the piano came first. Piano came first. I, I majored in, in music in college and. Piano was my major. Um, so, and then I got into early music, playing all sorts of other early music kind of instruments, and then the, yeah, finally I got a forte piano. Yeah. Um, so this is, when I came in, I was like, this doesn't look like a, a normal piano, and you said this is like a, actually, did you say it was from the 1840s? Is that what you said? Right, yeah. It, um, this particular style of piano was made between 1837 and 1842, I think it was. Really? So specific. it's a very specific. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And okay. it even narrows a little bit because in the, on the on little nameplate thing, it says um, piano makers to the queen. So yeah. there's, there was that was when she was coronated. It was about 41, I think it was. Did she play or did she just like having nice things? Most things in, in England, there was one company that was the maker of whatever it was to, for, the, okay. for the king or the queen. I see. That makes sense. How did you get from, from this into what we just did? Right. So I was playing early music, you know, back in the, in the 70s, right? Um, and I had always thought maybe I should learn to play the Baroque violin. But then I was listening to this radio station down there. There was really excellent little, tiny little radio station. Um, and it was playing a lot of old-time music. And I was thought, oh, well, maybe I should learn that. And then, you know, that'll be easier than playing classical violin. And then maybe I can just play classical violin later, um, which doesn't happen because this is so different from classical violin. <laughs> that, you know, You're going to like backdoor into classical violin through old time fiddling. Yeah, I thought that would be fun. And then I yeah. actually, yeah, right. So, but yeah, that wasn't happening. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and then after, you know, learning kind of to play for the first year or so, I started going to workshops here and there and meeting other people. And that's where I mm -hmm. learned about Tommy Gerald. Mm -hmm. what, so was this all while you were in college? No. Okay, this is after? Uh, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, after college, I graduated in 1970, right? So I went to hang out around Stanford because that was one of the main places in the country where early music was happening. Yeah. So I played with a lot of the students and I knew the students and hung out with the teachers and yeah, made instruments. Mm. It, to me, it seems like such a uh, music school graduate thing to do, which is switch to um, or start investing a lot of energy into a type of music that is downwardly mobile. <laughs> I guess they're maybe both a bit obscure, 
in different ways, but they have different people project importance or authenticity or, uh, differently onto them. I Mm. think at that point you, you couldn't make a living as a early musician unless you were a professor or something. Right. Uh, and you couldn't do that until recently on old-time music either. Sure. So, I mean, back when we were playing, it was really hard to get gigs and you didn't get paid a lot. Um, do you remember what you heard on the radio? Like what fiddling you heard? I don't remember precisely. Hmm. Everybody used to, to go to this camp and you know, just hang out for a week or so. And, do you remember which one it was? I'm trying to remember the name okay. of it. So there was this one guy there that had um, met Tommy Gerald and had some of his recordings. And, um Gave me some, I, th- I think I got the, some of the re- 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 homemade recordings from yeah. either him or some other friend, I forget. Mm. Uh, and then that particular guy gave me a heads up on the Boeing because he had picked up some of Tommy's Boeing, but not all of it. Yeah. So then I started listening to these things and trying to, to, to do that. And mm. then when I finally met Tommy, I was able to get all of the, all of the information. How did you meet him? Um, well, people just kind of sent him a little note and uh, asked, hey, do you think I could come by and visit? And um, usually you put in a date and he never responded, really. Yeah. I mean, he just expected people to come. Sure. So you're sort of going through the motions of, you know, politeness and mm-hmm. hoping that it would be okay once he got there. I heard that he was generally pretty receptive to people showing up. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 yeah, a lot of people who weren't even playing fiddle much or just curious would show up. And, but, you know, he was retired. His wife had been dead for a while. Um, nothing else to do. Yeah, let's play tunes. How long did you learn from Tommy? Did you, like, go move there? I didn't move there, but I had all of this information and a lot of his tunes. So then I went and I was there for maybe a week or so. Yeah. Um was that with... Yeah, I think I went with my best friend at the time. It was a mandolin player. We met up after Christmas and went up kind of looking around to see if we could find old fiddle players back in yeah. the woods places and, and then ended up <clears throat> going to Tommy as yeah. the furthest north that we went. And so hung out there for, you know, about a week. And then I was there with the band at one point and then Heath actually moved there. Alan had gone there a couple times on his own as well. Yeah. So all of us had a lot of contact with him. Hmm. What did he What did he think of your fiddling uh, before you started learning from him directly? Uh, he would never comment on anybody's fiddling. Yeah. Um, what, 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 could you read any reaction? Like, could you tell if he was enjoying something or not? Or is he... Was he picky, like maybe on the he, inside? No, he wasn't picky. Yeah. Uh, and at some point he was like cooking or something. And my friend and I were playing just some tunes in the living room. And he said, hey, that's a really nice tune. And, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty supportive. How how specific was he when he, would he like break down anything that he did or just no. play it in front of you? He couldn't. People would ask him. Show me what you did, Tommy. And he's like, I can't, I can't, I can play it again for you, yeah. but I can't tell you what I just did. Hmm. Because it's like, I have that trouble too. I mean, 
if I'm not teaching regularly, which I haven't in a really long time, I forget what it's I'm doing and how to teach it. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's let's play another tune. What what else should we what should we do? I'm a D, but I can move to something else if you want. Oh, we can move later. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to. Isn't there a baing that usually that often happens in this tune? You mean verbally? Yeah. Yeah, I don't sing. <laughs> That's fine. So your band, Possum Trot String Band. I've been aware of you for a little while now because I uh, became fixated on what I understood to be the fly-by-night string band uh, version of Cumberland Gap. Uh, and then someone from that band emailed me and said, you got to stop. <laughs> you got to stop crediting our band. We got it from Possum Trot String Band. And I didn't know that you were Possum Trot String Band, the fiddler for for them. So it's, it's I had no idea that you lived here in Portland. Um 
that's such a lovely coincidence. And then you were just telling me that you got it from someone else. And I've been wanting to know who it came from or if y'all just made it up. No, it came from um, Edward Bluestein. And his dad was a ethnomusicologist or something. I forget exactly. Um, but for some, somehow or other, his dad had collected some tunes and this was one of them. And um, we got it from Ev. Ev. Have you been able to like con- connect it to any other like Cumberland Gap? Or do you have any idea? It feels so different than any other Cumberland Gap that I've heard. There's some little vague parts of it that sounds related. But, yeah. But it's, it's more crooked. And, yeah. yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah. Do you do you still play that tune? Mm-hmm. I would I would love to play that if you're if you're interested. Sure. Yeah, um, because as I was telling you off record earlier, um, uh, it has become utterly bastardized or folk processed or however you want to talk about it mm-hmm. uh, in my hands, and it would be uh, a nice anchoring mo- anchoring moment to like actually hear um, how it's you know supposed to go. <laughs> You know, about supposed to go, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how it was when, when we learned it, sure, and then I don't know how it's changed in the last you're saying you've possibly full processed processed it. I definitely changed stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, if for no other reason than to like um tickle my curiosity about uh how how far it's come, uh. Or um, how much it's deteriorated. <laughs> I would, uh, for for me, for my version, I would love I would love to play that with you. Sure. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, let's do it. Wow. 
Cool. I don't think I've changed it too much, but there's definitely one, there's one, I think I add one beat at one part in the A part. I was like, oh, I got it, I got it. There is an extra beat or two there. Yeah, well, I think I add one beat on top of what you're doing. I play it slightly differently crooked. Yeah. I'm not sure how that happens, mm. but that's how I play it now. It's interesting to try to try to condense it down. <laughs> One, one extra beat. Well, I, maybe there was one there, and I forgot. Maybe, although I think, I think that one of your friends heard me post a version of the tune and said, "Too many beats." <laughs> <laughs> right. Bosco. It was Bosco. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Sounds good. Too many beats." How long was the Hasu Trot string band playing together, or do you all still get together? Well, we played the California Bluegrass Festival three years ago, the year before the pandemic. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. And then when did you all form? 1979 or something. It's a long-running band. Or maybe sooner than that, I don't recall. Yeah. Um, we've always lived in different locations. I used to live in outskirts of Mendocino, and Heath used to live sort of in Mendocino, but Alan was always in... Sacramento or no, Davis. He was in Davis. Yeah. So now it's Santa Rosa Davis in here. So, did y'all have a, a specific um, type of old time music that you endeavored to play? Understanding that old time music is not actually one unified canon. Did y'all play Tommy tunes? Did you stray from that and play? I'm gonna play other things. Yeah. Um, and Al, Alan was the singer on the, in the band. So, oh, very good. So, you know, he would pick out things that weren't necessarily Tommy things that we did. And, well, he used to do Sunny, Sweet Sunny Salsa all the time, which I didn't realize was a Tommy tune, but he plays it on the banjo, and he, I've never heard him play it on the fiddle. Huh. Uh, not Alan, but Tommy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, well, I hope y'all are able to have a reunion um, at some point again, uh, I know the pandemic, um, definitely got in the way of stuff. Yeah. Of stuff. Mm. Yeah. We talk every so often, but you know, we weren't out to, to get getting something. We just, they asked us somehow they, we were on their 25th anniversary album or whatever it was from huh. the best of the last 25 years. And yeah. someone found it and said, Oh, how about these guys? Are they still around? And they, they found Heath and huh. we pra practiced a bit and <laughs> played. I'm interested in asking you a more of a personal question. Are you open to personal questions? Yeah. And then you can say no or cut that out. I think that Joel told me that you were gay. Mm -hmm. And I haven't met as many gay men in the old-time music community as I've met lesbian women. Um, <laughs> and, and especially not of your generation. I know there are ex extenuating circumstances. There are other reasons for that as well. I'm curious what your experience was like in the 70s being a gay man in the old-time music community. What was that like? What were people like then? Um... You didn't 
exactly where a flag or a sign at the time, so probably people didn't even know. Right. Um, there was one friend of mine who, who took lessons from me occasionally, this, this guy that I knew from the Bay Area, who also was gay, and he said it was really you know, tough finding any gay players to play with. Yeah. Because um, nobody, either nobody was out or right. there just weren't any for some reason. Do you, do you have any, do you have any theories as to, as to why? I have no idea. There's not, nothing that would have stopped anybody. Right. When we were at the Grass Valley three years ago, there was a, there was a, a gay bluegrass band that had played on a um, flatbed truck during the gay parade in San Francisco. Yeah. And then must have been the, the bluegrass pride folks. Uh, I don't know. But I think I, I'm assuming, unless it was another gay bluegrass band. There, well, there was there's the bluegrass. You know, if you notice the rainbow flag out there, it's got a banjo on it. Yeah. Um, which my friend gave me at uh, Grass Valley. Hmm. Actually, he gave each of us one. And they all gave me theirs, so you can have one too if you like. I would love one. That would be that would be great. So I gather it's much more of a thing now than it was in the past. But yeah. but he had changed from old time to bluegrass himself. So did your band know when you formed? Of that, course, that you were gay, hmm. and they they were just they were cool with it. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm when did you decide to tell people or not back then? Hmm. I don't think ever since I moved to California, I ever, I mean, I didn't advertise it, but I didn't say anything else. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, I had a, a number of gay friends in the Bay Area. And it just never occurred to me, actually. Yeah. Well, that's really lovely to hear. I think sometimes, honestly, like for me, um, I haven't had access to a lot of uh, gay male elders and mentors. Um, I'm always curious what it was like back then because people have all these assumptions that it had to be absolutely secret, you know, or that like it was completely repressed. And then it's always really lovely to hear, you know, people like yourself saying, oh yeah, I just... Didn't necessarily advertise it, but wasn't specifically trying to hide it either. Hmm. Well, it was California too. So, I mean, California in the seventies was Get. different from a lot of the rest of the country. Most of the rest of the yeah. country. Hmm. Did you grow up in California? No, Florida. In Florida, was any part of you deciding to go to California because it was different than the rest of the country? No, I, I went because of Stanford and the because of Stanford. Stuff. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for uh, being willing to talk about that. Because I wasn't there as an old-time musician or as a queer person, I always want to know what it was like. Let's play one more, and uh, then we'll say goodbye. And um, unfortunately, we don't necessarily know where to find the Possum Trout String Band albums these days, but people write in <laughs> if, you got, if you got extra copies. <laughs> um, what do you want to play when you want to play next? Um, John Henry? Of course, yeah.
so much for doing this. It's so great to meet you, to know that you're here um, five minute drive <laughs> from where I am. It's so great. Yeah. What do you want to play for our uh, final tune? Not counting the bonus oh, track. Yeah. Let's see.
Thanks for listening, folks. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's linked in the show notes along with links to my banjo lessons, my band, my other podcast, and Get Up In The Cool merch. Don't forget to sign up at camerondewitt.com slash store for my beginner or intermediate Clawhammer banjo workshop series while the early bird discount is still available. Those are taking place every Sunday in January 2023. Thanks again to John C. Campbell Folk School for supporting this episode. Visit them online at folkschool.org. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool. <laughs>